This is Retails, Conversations with Profit Protection, the podcast that talks direct with retailers about all things loss prevention, with your host, Nicole Smith. Did you know that the Profit Protection Future Forum is the only not-for-profit industry body promoting the interests of retail loss prevention professionals in Australia and New Zealand? Hi there and welcome to the show. Today I'm joined by Glenn Forrester, Loss Prevention Manager, Foodstuffs South Island in New Zealand and PPFF committee member, along with two very special guests from New Zealand Police, Matt Tierney, Manager, National Retail Investigation Support Unit, and Matt Murray, Supervisor, National Retail Investigation Support Unit. Welcome to the podcast, gents, and thanks for joining me today. Let's, let's get straight to it. What I guess... I'm going to ask from a retailer's perspective first. So, Glenn, <laughs> what is the current state of play of retail crime in New Zealand post-pandemic? Yeah, look, I'd have to say um, we've, we're definitely seeing an increase in our, in our retail crime. Um, it's like we, we planned this. We, we knew it was going to happen, um, you know, sort of plan for worst case scenario. Um, but yeah, we're definitely seeing that 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 trend upwards in, in terms of theft, um, which is which is a struggle for um, for our retailers out there. Um, we're seeing an increase in our burglaries, so after hours break-ins. Um, I'm sure the Matt and Matt can can talk further to that as to what's occurring there. But um, you know, some quite concerning trends there. But it's it's trends that we've seen before. Um, so it's just around what we can do to help mitigate that risk. Um, and then the ever-present um, trend in terms of abusive and aggressive customers. So um, has yeah. that gotten worse since if over the last or since since the yeah. toilet paper debacle that everyone was going through? <laughs> yeah, look, I'd probably say from my seat it has. Um, and I think the, the biggest concern for me is around um, the threats of of weapons. Um, look, we're having the odd instant with our, with our produce, but a lot more threats of that. Um, whether it's these offenders are sort of cottoning on that, you know, as soon as they show any form of violence or mention a weapon that, you know, will back right off, um, I, I, I can't say. But definitely seen um, probably in the last six months um, after after Christmas time, um, that abuse and the, the, the threats of these weapons has increased for us. And... Matt and Matt, are you seeing the same from a policing point of view? Have you seen retail theft increase? Have you seen other areas of, you know, break and enter or um, other crimes, domestic violence increase in New Zealand? It's actually quite difficult to quantify any increase because we know that retail crime is hugely underreported, somewhere in the order of about 70% of um, all retail crime has traditionally been underreported. So um, we're not comparing apples with apples. Um, so... I would agree there has, it would appear on the face of it anecdotally there has been some increase in retail crime. The, the most concerning thing for us and, is, and the retail sector is the, uh, the definite increase in the violence um, and the aggressive behaviour towards retail staff. Um, all, all, um, all of all sector and police are working really well together actually um, and everyone's in the same position. They all want to protect their staff from harm um, and everyone's putting in some really, uh, really, really good interventions um, and we're in a bit of a bit of a funny state or a bit of a state of flux at the moment where um, the interventions are coming um, uh, and the prevention stuff's coming, um, but it's not quite there yet through uh, like delay of installation of product and stuff like that. So I think, you know, potentially in about six or eight months, once once we've had those real conversations and once we've had uh, the upgrades to our security, we're going to see a difference in the the, um, the pattern of crime and retail crime in New Zealand. Once the New Zealand retail sector and the New Zealand police have kind of 
quite a lot of people aged or matured to the point where we've um, realised that the environment has changed significantly and we've pivoted on that. So are you using or will you be using technology to assist with that, those interventions? Absolutely. There's all yeah. different forms of technology, um, you know, facial recognition, number plate recognition, uh, through fog devices or any kind of uh, alarms or sirens. Or It's all about uh, really trying to identify your um, most violent and recidivist offenders and targeting them before they can actually become violent. So, you know, you know who those people are and you greet them at the door with a thank you but no thank you um, scenario. The topic of facial recognition is a hot topic here. I don't know, for, for retail, definitely. I don't know if it is in New Zealand as well because of privacy issues. And I think here there is no, uh, my understanding is there's no specific laws around it at this point of time. Is that the same in, in NZ? Uh, other than privacy laws, which is similar to Australia, mm-hmm. um, not the laws themselves, but the you know the, the restriction of using facial recognition is, is largely a privacy concern. Um, and there are a lot of people looking at it. Um, but there's a lot of people trying to uh, understand how that's going to change environment and what the requirements are of, of using it as well. Because uh, there's, a, there's a crime prevention side of it, but there's also a potential um, marketing side of it as well, which um, that's kind of one that could potentially be exploited, I think. Because my understanding of it from a loss prevention point of view is that you are only logging the person that is the repeat offender or that is the offender. So if if Glenn and I are walking into a store and I'm the offender, I'm the one that's logged as the offender and that it says, it sends an alert to say, you know, Nicole is here, whereas Glenn is just another face that goes through the store. Is that is that right? That's correct, but it's still people's perception around Big Brother um, looking or possibly holding information around them and that kind of stuff as well. So. Um, I think we'll see uh, change in this area in the coming years, um, but there's certainly growth of uh, technology in that, in that product. Um, the technology itself is, is actually fantastic. There's been some trials uh, across New Zealand, uh, even with masks and baseball hats on, um, and they're getting sort of 97, 98% accuracy. So as far as identifying the person, it's very, very good. Um, it's come a long way, um, but the other side of the, the privacy concerns around it need to be covered off. How is it any different then from the cameras that are, you know, in the city or that are at every traffic lights that you go through? I don't know really. <laughs> artificial intelligence is looking at a database and comparing people's faces and identifying somebody from that database. Okay. It's a hot topic. It's a real hot topic here. Everyone's a little bit too nervous to talk about it, but I'm glad you guys will. <laughs> um, well, we're both probably, Australia and New Zealand, are probably looking across at each other and sort of waiting for somebody to, to make a decision um, and run with it. And then once that's happened, I think the floodgates will open. Um, but at the moment, everyone's very cautious. Um, and rightly so. Um, we don't want to make, we want to make sure that it's not being misused. Okay. Um, um, Matt, number two. <laughs> Have you seen an increase in other crimes as well as retail crime in New Zealand? Uh, we concentrate on retail crime, so I'm probably not in a position to talk too much about other sort of offending. But in terms of retail crime, um, as Matt said, you know, anecdotally, it appears it's up. Um, but in terms of what we're doing, it's really working on those recidivist and violent offenders. Um, Glenn touched on it earlier in relation to the violence. It's part of when we look at an offender, and if there's uh, violence attached to their offending, it certainly uh, piques our interest and that's who we target. But, um, yeah, I, I'm not too sure in terms of other offending. Okay. So how do I guess the the question really is if if only 
a small percentage or 70%, was it, um, that you were saying before, Matt, uh, uh, of retail crime is um, talked about to the police or um, information is given to the police? So that number's increasing. That's the that's the problem. Or well, the problem is actually it's actually great. I think it's actually happening. So companies like Aura um, or our own internal um, policing um, software platforms have been upgraded to make it easier to report things to police as well. So you know by ease of reporting um, makes it easier for people to report it to us. So we um, so naturally there's going to we're going to know about more of it. Now so some people might say that's a bad thing, but actually. In order to be able to deal with a problem, you need to be able to understand it in its in its entirety. And if we're only seeing a fraction of the problem, then we can't make decisions around where to deploy staff, where to put tactics in to try and um, stop those um, offences from taking place. If we don't know there's a problem at any given location, then we, we can't do anything in relation to it. So you know, that's why I say, while some people say, oh, it's, it's a bad thing, um, I think the more we understand about this, this problem, the better we can deal with it. Absolutely. I don't... I'm surprised that people would think it's a bad thing, to be honest. But how do we get more, if if the figure is roughly 70% now, how do we get more and more retailers to start reporting crime? What's the incentive for them to report the crime? And the reason reason I ask that is um, probably here, it gets lost in paperwork. So, you know, the retailers are trying to, and I'm with you, I 100% agree, if you don't know, you can't fix it. Yeah, so, I'll jump in there, Nicole. I think yeah. um, through the likes of the Aura platform, it's it's making it easier to report, mm-hmm. um, and we can provide everything that the police need. Um, so we can put our CCTV footage in there, we can put our receipts, we can put our statements. So it's so it's all in one place. Um, so from a, from a retailer's point of view, there's less duplication. Mm-hmm. We were capturing capturing um, incidents internally and then having to report to the police. Um, and, and a lot of our incidents just dropped off because of the, the time and resources that was needed to do that. But but now that we can do it through through one platform or, or through um, you know through some phone lines and give the police all the information that they need at that point in time. Admittedly, we've got some work to do there and you know bring raise the bar in terms of what some of our stores are doing. But um, I think that's making it, it easier for us to report and for the for that true crime to be captured. And I think um, you know through the efforts of the this retail unit, we will see that see that bar get raised and that number get raised. Okay, so let's talk about the retail unit. It's all about um, communicating success stories with the sector. So like you said about it goes into a machine and never comes out and nobody understands anything about it. It's about us doing something as a police force and then communicating back either to that individual or externally through external media around the successes that we're having in it to promote the positivity and that something is going to happen and the police 100% are behind you and we will take action in relation to it. So and then you'll see an uptake in reporting. Um, we've seen a huge uptake in reporting in the last couple of months. Massive, massive uptake in reporting. Or the Aura platform is over 50, uh, basically. Um, so we've also seen a massive uptake um, up in reporting to our internet, um, internet-based as well. So uh, it's about, yeah, let's like, share those success stories, um, not letting them know that something's going to happen and um, taking away that negativity of reporting it. Because uh, sometimes... Uh, particularly the the smaller stores, they worry about the on-sale value of uh, their um, retail establishment if they've got a whole lot of reported crime against that. Mm -hmm. Okay. I'm glad to hear that it has increased because I feel like here it's not done probably as much as as it should. And whether that's a lack of resources, whether that's the police not coming back to the retailer, I'm not sure. Um, With that information, and, you know, I 100% agree, 
you should always celebrate your successes. And I think that then just generates this momentum that goes forward to people going, oh, well, you know, if we do report it, then something gets done as opposed to, well, we're reporting it and we're reporting and we're reporting, but nothing's happening. Um, I'm really interested to hear about the National Retail Investigation Support Unit in New Zealand. When, uh, how long has it been around for? When was it established and why was it established? Yeah, it, it kicked off uh, from November last year when Police Commissioner uh, Andy Cost announced it at a retail crime meeting in Wellington. From there, uh, Matt and I got involved at the, uh, basically the management level from the start, put in place policy and procedures point now that we've been operational for um, I think it's eight weeks or so. We've had some fantastic success so far in terms of targeting uh, the most violent recidivist offenders. Uh, some good apprehension rates, so that's coming along well along with the um, the prevention aspect of it that Matt touched on earlier with working with retailers, um, the most recidivists around the country um, in terms of victimisation, so that's coming along well as well. Why did the Commissioner... Yeah, so the, um, the commissioner uh, decided to make that decision in relation to a, uh, a call for uh, action from the retail sector, basically. Um, the retail sector operates as a national um, team, and there is, you know, things across all of New Zealand versus uh, we had a very much district-based um, investigation team in relation to it. So offences that were happening in Auckland were investigated by Auckland staff, and offences that were happening in County's Manukau, which um, they border one another, was only being investigated by County's Manukau staff. So um, what we were finding is that um, our offenders don't mind about borders and they'll drive over and, and uh, commit offences across uh, multiple different districts. So opportunities for prosecution were being uh, lost or opportunities for holding offenders to account were being lost. Um, so subsequently, a national view is a much better uh, view. So when one of our offenders is charged now. They'll be charged with multiple cross-border offending offences, 20, 30, 40, 50 offences. Um, so we're bringing their entire um, offending profile to the judiciary, uh, and we're seeing some uh, very interesting um, results as a, as a result of that. Um, because they're able to see their, their, the entirety of their uh, offending, they are getting some pretty serious uh, yeah, penalties, which is it's really good. So are you finding that it's not just retail crime that they're doing, that there's break and enter, there's assault, there's drugs, there's whatever it may be Absolutely. behind that. Absolutely, yep. yeah. Yeah, that seems to be a common thread. I know um, last year I spoke to a guy in um, from the Loss Prevention magazine who works with a lot of the police in the US and he was saying that they're finding it's not just the retail crime but there's so many things behind it and that often it, it leads to um, either drug big drug cases in the US or human trafficking? Yeah, drug offending in particular plays a big part. Um, from offenders spoken to quite regularly, they'll admit that um, the resale crime is to fund the drug habit, so that's a well-established sort of link. Uh, we looked at some analysis a while back in terms of our offenders. I think between 70 and 80% were um, linked to other sort of volume crime, burglaries, drug offending, receiving, etc. So yeah, there's, there's definitely well-established links there. And so from the court's perspective, they are you finding that those offenders are going um, either into jail or being fined for retail crime or for all the other things that they've been doing? It's, a, it's collective of all of the retail crime um, and the other things. Um, but what we are finding is that when these people are brought before the uh, judiciary, uh, if they're not remanded into custody, they're on some really um, stringent bail conditions. Uh, 
and while they're awaiting their their trial, so to speak. Um, and you know that's all about removing them from the crime picture. So if they're unable to commit um, any crime by for either being incarcerated or being on a 24 hour curfew, say for example, on bail, then it's not only retail crime that they're not able to um, to do; it's all of the potential crime that they were they were um, being part of. So um, yeah, and those people we. We're quite commonly getting some some of those um, figures. It's a bit early in the stage at the moment for us to give you any indications around sentencing and stuff like that because it takes quite a while to go through the judiciary um, within New Zealand. So, did COVID put a spanner in the works for those for those offenders? Because retail crime is a lot easier. <laughs> retail crime is a lot easier to commit as opposed to some of those other crimes. So, did that obviously put a spanner in the works with lockdowns? I think it did, but it also um, it also allowed some improvements to be made within the sector. So, you know, nighttime burglary, say for example, um, the, the the emphasis has changed from that to daytime burglary um, because people have got um, really good alarms and, and other interventions to stop individuals getting in there now. Um, and they've also got some um, retail protection, I guess you could say. So they're putting away high value items and secure safes and that kind of stuff. So, kind of retail sector collectively by doing that has shifted the the crime from nighttime to daytime and we're seeing the the likes of the snatch snatch and grabs um, happening a lot more often as well as the 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 traditional shoplifting from um, you know countdowns and and pack and savings. What about the likes of organised retail crime have you seen an increase in that with uh, you know Shelf, sweep, shelf sweeping, I should say, shelf sweeping and, and products being found on the internet and, and all that. Are you seeing an increase in that? I think a lot of more of that has come into our attention now. We have the unit that we can focus on some of that stuff. It's always been there, um, you know, stealing to order, et cetera, um, targeting specific items that are easily uh, on sale in the black market. So, um, yes, yeah, definitely there. In terms of groups, yeah, there's all sorts of different groups operating. We've um, come across kids as young as seven and four years old involved in family offending. So, um, yeah, the retail crime um, organisation is definitely happening. Yeah, I, I've been in stores recently uh, here in Australia and with one uh, menswear brand in particular that has, you know, you, you'd be standing there and young boys that are 10 to 14 years old walking in stealing and they're so obvious on what they're doing and they think that they're you know that no one's going to notice them and it's like come on boys go outside and on your skateboard and have some fun get some fresh air you know what are you doing here but they literally come in with a shopping list yeah and, and it's interesting these these kind of two themes that you can say they either want to uh, offences by themselves, um, and we do see a lot of that, uh, particularly the ones that are more the, the career um, criminals, I guess you could say, or the steal to order. But we, we, and those those people are also, uh, incidentally, quite brand loyal. So we'll see them um, stay within whatever organisation they like to target. And that, there's a number of reasons for that. It might be that they're familiar with the store layout, they're familiar with security. Um, the security guard's going to be there, or the evidence that they might locate, or what might happen if they are challenged. Um, and we, but the, the other flip side of it, as Matt just said as well, is that yeah, we're just starting to sort of look into the more organised um, side of it. But I would say there was a, there was some discussion around in the media that you know this was a, a an organised gang problem that was um, that was doing this, and we don't we haven't seen that, and we don't have any evidence of that. Um, there are certainly uh, organised from a perspective of a group of people, um, but 
not many with gang links from from our experience. Okay, because anecdotally, our LPMs here are, are talking about the increase in ORC um, and how brazen the thieves are, and they're swarming and they're they're you know violent, and it's just getting to the point where you know trying to focus the attention on ORC, you forget about your other um, offenders as well. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, 100%. I think um, there are challenges coming up for us here in New Zealand. I think overseas trends generally show us where it's heading. Uh, swarm offending is something that's on the horizon for us, for sure. But, yeah, it's definitely challenges for us. So do you guys look after anything for online fraud as well? Are you in that space? Not really, um, but we do. Um, we will deal with offenders that are committing that kind of um, crime uh, if they come to our attention through the violent aggressive uh, theft component. Okay. That's a huge, huge uh, thing to deal yeah, with. That's, yeah. <laughs> Especially in the last two years where there's been yeah. so much uh, online activity. We we see, um, and I'm sure Glenn sees it as well. We see um, the refund um, fraud is probably the, one of the one of the larger ones for us, where uh, the offenders will bring back in a, a fake um, or and sometimes a, a printed out receipt from that from that store, go into the store, grab the item, and then try and return it. Um, and depending on how convincing that individual is, um, then they yeah, they usually get they usually get away with it until a later point in time. And the other one that we see a lot is through the self checkouts, which is the sweethearting. Um, thing where basically you know scan every second item sort of thing, um, so those are those are yeah definitely an issue. Glenn, in supermarkets, has uh, anything changed in the last couple of years with your high theft items that are that are walking out the door? No, no, it's still those same items that we've talked about before. But I think um, what I'm slowly seeing a, a move towards now is um, along with those high risk and and. and other ones that are easily on sold and you know through through marketplace and Facebook and what have you, um, but just a bit of a shift to more sort of necessity based items. Um, so in terms of you know we are or has been we've been told about the cost of living crisis in in the you know rise in inflation and, and people are struggling out there. So I have really started to take notice in the last wee while. You know I'm seeing full trolley loads of, of everyday items going out the door and being loaded into the car. Um, so they're not being on sold. Um, and it makes it difficult as well because, you know, generally we're in, we're in our training and encouraging our staff to identify these high risk items. But you know, when we're seeing everything from you know your baked beans to your loaves of bread and what have you, um, and then the the rise in sort of dairy prices and your your cheeses and your butters and that they're becoming very very um, yeah sort of luxury goods now. So um, yeah. we're definitely seeing an increase in theft of those as well. Yeah, I think we're you know, I think just just on that, Glenn. I think um, 100%. Yeah, there's definitely uh, people probably spilling to survive in some senses. But I know uh, from work we've done that a lot of that stuff is order also. So I think it's a mixture between uh, the organised offending and those who are stealing the supply. Mm. Ah, it's a great a great world we're living in at the moment, isn't it? <laughs> good times, good times. Um, Glenn, New Zealand retailers seem to have a really strong relationship with um, New Zealand police. Um, is that how you would describe it? And if so, how did the relationship, how did you build that relationship or how did New Zealand retailers build the relationship to have such a good support um, from your law enforcement there? Yeah, look, I think we're we're fortunate now that we've um, 
we've got a, a national unit overseeing everything. Um, and I know you've got your challenges in Australia with your with your different states. So, um, you know, while we have our, our challenges in New Zealand with the districts, um, having this national unit um, overseeing everything, I think has been um, a, a massive step in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and just approachable. Um, you know, look, um, you know, last week I was t- talking to both Matt, Matt's uh, sending emails and getting responses from them um, with ideas, picking their brains on, on on things that we can we can do and and issues that we're having in store. So very very approachable, um, and um, and they have both both got a genuine interest in retail crime, um, and they are definitely um, walking the walk and talking the talk in terms of um, of assisting us. Um, I know they've got other plans ahead for you know some real good collaboration events as well. Um, you know, getting us retailers together um, and, and hearing what we're saying. Um, and, and the ability for us to work together, um, because on our own we're not going to solve this issue. Uh, we can't tackle it by ourselves. But I think you know, bringing everyone together on the same page, um, going to find us uh, moving the right direction. So um, you're really, really excited as to as to what's coming coming ahead. For those retailers that aren't engaged with New Zealand Police and the um, Investigation Support Unit, how can they get involved? Uh, obviously, you've got some meetings coming up. Is there any other way that that New Zealand retailers can get involved? I think Matt, Matt, you might want to jump on that webinar you did the other other day. I think that was a, a great initiative to, yeah. to reach a smaller uh, the smaller retailers. So, yeah, we're consistently trying in that space. Um, with uh, we have an organisation called um, Retail New Zealand, um, and they have a lot of uh, smaller sort of members as well. But we're constantly trying to get our um, our, our face out and amongst the the smaller teams of people. We've also got a um, a small retail crime initiative which we're funding some security interventions and in scores as well. Um, again, to further sort of promote um, the you know the police and the and the individual small to medium size um, relationships, but really it's just about getting out and being in, in front of them um, and just using the the kind of groups that are available, the same groups that were lobbying to have us created. Um, we've they've all wanted to be continued and wanted to stay with the unit, so we've just you know, become part of them. We regularly speak to. Um, the executives of the large companies within New Zealand, um, but we also you know, deal with the medium and, and small as well. So, you know, again, the better you understand the criminal landscape and what's you know where the pressure points are, then the more that we can do that. How many people are in the unit? I guess you're you're working with all the district police. Correct. Yeah, and so it's just the two of you that are try that are managing oh, no, the whole no, country. No. <laughs> so we've got. <laughs> We've got an uh, intelligence officer, um, three investigators, and an admin um, person as well. Um, and I also currently have a project officer as well who's doing a um, the crime control that I was just speaking about. Um, so, yeah, there's yeah, there's the staff. We we um, we do quite a lot of files um, when we send them through the district for investigation, and we'll liaise directly with those officers when they're going out and um, and arresting those people and putting them for the courts. Because kind of touched on it a little bit before, these people are pretty complex issues. Um, so. We have a thing in New Zealand called the, uh, the TPO, which is the Tipa which is about looking at your uh, your problems uh, in their entirety. So, in trying to address some of the underlying causes of those problems, and ordinarily, um, someone of an offending scale that requires them to go to jail would would not be part of um, an initiative like that. But um, we've decided to where where they buy into it, where we want to make that available to them as well. So, um, it's really yeah, just trying to prevent that future offending in any possible way um, that, that we can we can really. So I guess my question on behalf of the Australian retailers is 
how do we get something like this over here in Australia? And look, we've touched on the fact that we have different state laws and things like that, and uh, they operate operate under each state and territory. But how do we do it? Like, is it a it does it have to be that the Victorian Commissioner says it, the New South Wales Commissioner does something? Is that how it's going to have to work here? Yeah, how it started with New Zealand was that the retail sector started lobbying the government. Um, and yeah, the, um, the police minister and the justice minister and all that kind of stuff as well. And then, you know, that that took a little bit of time, um, years, <laughs> um, but uh, eventually uh, it got it got to a point where action was required. And um, then, you know, this is the subsequent. Um, this is what subsequently happened. So, I guess Canberra is your um, your option. Take it to the take it to the government. I mean, AFP might have to get involved. It's, yeah, it's it's one of those ones which is it's very difficult. Yeah. I guess because there's so many other crimes that potentially a an offender has committed that like it seems like a no-brainer to me. <laughs> yeah, but also the police uh, have to deal with exactly that. They have to deal with every other type of crime yeah. as well. Um, and, you know, uh, it, has to, it has to be a significant, um, a significant issue, um, really. Um, and, you know, in New Zealand, it's, it's a rising significant issue. So, uh, and there's certainly public perception around safety as well that we really have to be concerned about too. Well, I was going to say, because you've had a couple of incidences um, in stores with, uh, uh, was it knifing and guns and things like that, do you think that helped uh, or escalate the process so that it... it That's it... only quite recent though. So, mm. um, you know, really that was the unit was announced in the November last year um, and we weren't really seeing that level of violence Um Thankfully, we haven't seen any firearms. Um, we definitely have seen um, uh, uh, knives and stuff like that as well. Um, firearms have been presented in the past, but it's pretty uncommon in the New Zealand current landscape and long may it stay that way, to be fair. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and what other projects are you guys working on together? What's upcoming for the unit and the retailers? It's a secret. <laughs> <laughs> you could tell me, but you'd have to kill me. <laughs> <laughs> well, the focus at this point is establishing um, focus on what we're doing in terms of offenders, um, making the right, getting hold of the right people, putting them before the court, and really with a view to potentially changing their mindset from uh, from I'm going to get away with this to I'm expecting to get caught. You know, that's how we see um, in the short term making a real difference. Beyond that, we're looking at um, potentially receivers and, um, and looking a bit beyond the initial crime itself. So that's sort of where we're heading as a unit. And as far as celebrating those wins with the retailers, do you also go out to media so that the general public do know that there is a unit that is looking at retail crime and that there are consequences to... Uh, we try, but um, mainstream media um, find good news stories challenging. Um, so often we'll use our own um, communications through the likes of you know, retail New Zealand or even individual communications to organisations um, so it can filter down through them, um, as well as using um, the New Zealand Police have quite a large uh, Facebook page, um, which we can push messages out on that as well. So, um, yeah, we definitely try, um, but, yeah. You've, you've got to go the other way. See, what we do here is we say how bad the crime is and then once we get in front of the media, then we can tell the story about the good news and what's being done about it. Yep. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're right, I, the media been, likes uh, the bad news. Yeah, we've been, <laughs> they do. We've been trying for quite some time. There's some perceptions that have been created through negative 
reporting um, and we would really like to be able to combat those, but uh, getting airtime for those is, is challenging, that's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, guys, we've reached the final countdown. So the last three questions I will ask Glenn first. What are some of the positives that have come out of the pandemic for you and for the for the retail business? Um, yeah, for us, I mean, it's that, um, that can-do attitude. Um, you know, we all, everyone pulled together um, during the pandemic and, and after we came out of it, and it was just amazing um, in terms of, you know, we were lucky as a, as, as a, a grocery retailer to be able to trade, um, trade through lockdowns. Um, there were some very, very trying times. Um, you know, we've had, you know, we still have problems with, with staff shortages and what have you. And just the way um, people work across the business, um, work in other areas of the business to, you know, out in the uh, supply chain um, at a store level and what have you. So everyone just pulling together and, um, you know, that, that real sort of, well, we sort of say the Kiwi can do attitude. Um, mm-hmm. And just our, you know, the frontline staff were just amazing, um, you know, being there day in, day out, and they had their own issues going on um, and, you know, and, and, and keeping food on the table. So, um, you know, that's really what stood out and impressed me. Okay. And Matt, and Matt I'm, I'm hoping that you've got some good news or some, you've seen some good people in society post-pandemic. <laughs> Please. <laughs> Oh, there's death um, silence. No. <laughs> <laughs> the good thing that came out of the pandemic was the unit. Uh, the unit obviously, um, sort of came out of that. Uh, I think, look, it's fair to say uh, it's been a very, very challenging time for everybody, um, and it still continues to be a very challenging time. We're seeing, you know, we're now not seeing so much of the COVID side of things, the actual disease itself or the virus, but we're seeing the mental health uh, factors back into play, the cost of living situation coming into play. Yeah. Um, so... Yeah, positives from the pandemic. It's a bit challenging. <laughs> but like Glenn was saying, um, I've done a lot of policing, many, many, many years. Um, and I have to say that uh, working with the retail sector is the most positive group of people um, that I've ever worked with in any of the stuff that I've done with police. There are no naysayers. Everybody is very keen to just get amongst it and try things, see how it's going to work. And just, again, we're all about, it's all around the keeping their staff safe. So, um, it's just really refreshing as a, um, um, as a person who works with police to be actually dealing with people like that in such a positive frame of mind. Well, that, that's a great positive. I love that positive. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you can attribute that to the pandemic, though. <laughs> well, you know, you've got to look on the bright side. Some you, we, we had some good things that came from the pandemic. Some. <laughs> okay. Glenn, what has been one of the more ridiculous retail theft oh. events you've seen in store? Yeah, look, I've, I want I've your best. A bit. No, <laughs> oh, look, yeah, it's, I've, I've got to be careful because it might identify some of our stores. But I guess overall would be just um, the locations that people try to conceal stuff on their on their person, and it doesn't always stay in that location um, <laughs> and can can fall out at the most inappropriate time. Um, one of the, probably uh, it wasn't a theft incident, but but burglary incidents amaze me. Is that um, you know I've seen it countless times. Uh, offenders come in, you know, fully balaclavaed up, fully disguised, and commit a burglary. You, you go ten minutes before the burglary, and there they are standing at the front window with with nothing on their face, so clearly <laughs> clearly identifiable. And then probably the last one of the last burglaries we had, they were after some of our high risk product, um, which we had secured in a different location that night. 
Um, and they'd obviously been to the site and had cased it out and they came in that night and they were running around the store. It was almost like to the Benny Hill theme music, <laughs> trying to find where the tobacco had been placed. Um, and they were almost going to have a scrap with each other. They were banging into each other and they were like pointing, going, it's supposed to be here, it's supposed to be there. And they just ran around the store for about 30 seconds trying to find where the stuff was. And in the end, they, they scarped out the door with nothing. So it was uh, it was highly entertaining. <laughs> And Matt and Matt, you guys must have seen the very best and the very worst. <laughs> I think it's really hard to beat the um, the lost in the store after a fog device being going on. Um, <laughs> That's brilliant. Find, they can't find out. They can't find anything um, until the fog dissipates. You kind of get shots of them running backwards and forwards, which is quite hilarious. And also goes to show how effective those devices actually are. Um, and secondly, the other one is, uh, we've had a bit of a spate of ram raids in New Zealand um, recently where a vehicle's driven in through the front of the uh, store, usually through the glass. Um, and one of the interventions that goes on the glass is a, um, a product which makes the glass, whilst it'll come down, it doesn't break. Um, it's, it's like a rubberized kind of clear film. Um, and then also the security gates, the, the normal sort of security gate screens that you see behind the glass or in front of it in some occasions. But the, the, on this particular one, um, the offenders drove a little uh, Toyota through the front door, which is a little hatback, um, and um, smashed the glass. They got half into the store and half out of the store, and the glass folded completely over the car, and then the gate folded completely over the car, so they were then stuck half in and half out. And <laughs> get out of the car. So you can see them furiously trying to open the doors and get out, and the alarm's going off, and obviously security took up. So, um, you know, unintended consequence of having um, glass that's done like that, but look, does it make you have a bit of a giggle though when you rock up to a scenario like that and you see it and you just go, oh, boys, come I just on? I fundamentally yeah. don't know, or I can't put myself in the, the worldview of dri- and actually driving a car through a building. I don't, I don't, like, I just, we, we talk about it a lot, um, but the mental shift that was required to actually drive something through a building to me is. Isn't that that? That switch that obviously some people have and some people don't. Yeah, it's certainly next level than uh, stealing something off the shelf. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And Glenn, lastly, what is the look into your crystal ball? What's the future of uh, retail theft in New Zealand? Oh, look, I'm going to be positive, Nicole, and say we're we're on the right track. We've heard enough doom and gloom in this in this (laughs) chat, but. Oh look, no. I think through through some of the initiatives we're seeing um, through the police and through the through the government funding, um, through the, I mean, this unit's only been fully up and running eight weeks. Um, got a really good bunch of retailers here who um, like to collaborate. We like to you know put our put our heads together and and, and come up with solutions. So um, you know, whilst it could still be a bit of doom and gloom in terms of you know cost of living and what have you, I think the as long as we keep the right people in the in the room and um, when we're talking. Um, undertaking training for our staff, um, I think we will um, we'll see some significant wins um, and, and hopefully a bit of shift in terms of what's happening in the retail crime space. Beautiful. And Matt? And Matt? What do yeah, you reckon? Yeah, 100%. I, uh, I'm with Glenn on that. I think there's some good work coming. Um, we started something really positive here um, that's slowly producing some good results and I think we build on that. Um, certainly in terms of retail offending, I'd like to think that um, we're nabbing the right people, therefore um, that prevents the violence at the other end. And um, yeah, there's some really good stuff going on. I think it's a uh, positive future for us. Fantastic. We might uh, circle back in about, can I give you six months or do you need 12? 
Six months. Six months. Oh, Beautiful. there you go. You've got it on record, Nicole. Because <laughs> <laughs> we love a success story and if we can replicate some of those things uh, elsewhere around the world or here, definitely here in Australia, then I'm all for it. <laughs> um, Matt, Matt and Glenn, thank you so much for your time today and uh, for the update from New Zealand. This is a really great relationship between law enforcement and retail, which we would love to see replicated, certainly on uh, this side of the ditch as well. So, uh, yeah, I will hold you to the six months um, so we can celebrate some of those successes together. Uh, If you'd like to get in touch with any of our guests today, you can find them on LinkedIn and we will put their contact details in the show notes. Uh, You can subscribe to this weekly podcast via iTunes, Google Podcasts and Spotify, and there's a link to download episodes and show notes on the PPFF website. The podcast is proudly brought to you by the Profit Protection Future Forum. It is written by myself, Nicole Smith, and produced by Darren Chave. Stay tuned. We have some hot topics being covered in Season 6 Plus, Save the Date, Wednesday the 19th of October. We will have our first face-to-face meeting post-COVID in Sydney here in Australia. Uh, There will be more details in the coming weeks, so... uh, look out for us on LinkedIn. Uh, And I'll be back next week to keep talking all things profit protection. Thanks for listening to Retails, conversations with profit protection. If you like what you hear, make sure you subscribe via iTunes, Google Podcasts or Spotify. If you want to find out more about the Profit Protection Future Forum, head to profitprotection.co or find us on LinkedIn. Drop us a message on info at profitprotection.co with feedback on our show.